and welcome to Top Fives, the show of everything. Top Fives, presented by The Sex Effects. I'm Joy Prati. And I'm Sean Day. And uh, we, you, are in for a special <laughs> treat this evening. Oh boy. Uh, joining <laughs> us, Jonathan, I'm going to let you do the honors and, and introduce oh, yeah. our guest tonight. Joining us is my father and uh, probably a loyal listener to our podcast as well. <laughs> so One of the few. Uh, we have my dad, Mr. Mike, Mike Day on the show tonight yes so so happy to be here fellas to bring some (laughs) culture to this thing finally it's a it's going to be a welcome relief for those other people that do listen to this podcast yeah and for those that don't know it's actually you can you can watch it now it's really it's really not a podcast anymore yeah it feels like something else it's a show. I've got now. my spooky blue eyes as well. Ooh. There you go. I like Super, that. Superhero. Ooh. That's real nice. <laughs> nice. All right. I, I told Sean when, we, when okay. we were setting this thing up. I, I told Sean. I said, you know, there's a bit of a problem. I mean, I'm okay with the Zoom and everything because you know I spend half my day on it anyway. Uh, but then I suddenly realized I'm at home. I don't have any, you know, any lights. I don't have a microphone, so I'm actually dialed in on my phone right now, which makes it a oh, lot easier for me. It's all good. It's all nice. good. So. So, you know, we just we just conquered a few technical obstacles and, and here we are. Yeah. Well, that's we're what glad, we do. We're glad to have you on, Dad. Uh, and we've had you on before, say, right? On the show. Yes, you have. So, this is a long way to say episode. That I brought my own sound effects. <laughs> yes. uh, There's nothing ice. in it, but I just figured I wanted something that could go like this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like Joey. Oh, yeah. Everyone Joy. wants to be like me. It's <laughs> wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, we're excited. Uh, we're very excited. Kind of looking forward to this one for a minute. And yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's about time, I would say. So. I think yeah. it's, it's past time. Uh, the last time we did this, I want to say it was Black Friday 2016, 2017. Hey, we know that picture. Oh, Black Friday. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah, all I do was, is just watch that, that show all the time. It's <laughs> not bad. You know, it's... Um, we it's been fun it's been fun getting it giving people a, a visual i think you know and um there's comedic cues i think from both of us that you wouldn't get just listening to it so uh not necessarily comedic but reactionary and um yeah. you know sometimes it's, yeah. it's necessary so yeah i i yeah i think the show is is the full the full uh experience now i don't know yeah no doubt no doubt Yes, and of course, for the for the ladies out there, I'm a welcome improvement. <laughs> oh, big time! I think combined we made up like a four. Yeah, right. And now we're at least That's a our six. Rating. <laughs> we're a four point five. Yeah, four point five. Yeah, exciting guys. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were we were, we were planning on uh, having this episode kind of be the the, the Mr. Day, Mike Day extravaganza, the storyteller. You are a, I don't know how to say this word, a recantor of sorts. Um, you, you spin a yarn, and I'm not saying that they're false, I'm just saying you, you, you tell stories very well. And um, we're, you've had some experiences in your life, and we're very looking forward to um, hearing about maybe the top five of those experiences. Well, I, I, I think one of the things that I've surrounded myself over the years with interesting people. And I think that leads to a lot of really interesting stories. 
I've also had a you know kind of a, an unusual and maybe a little bit uh, different uh, career trajectory to some folks. I started out as a as a registered nurse, and then after I did uh, worked for a couple of years as a registered nurse, I went off to do my psychiatric uh, qualification. It's the equivalent to in England to a registered nurse, only in the field of psychiatry. So I spent some time there as well. And a couple of the stories I'm going to tell, or at least one of them I'm going to tell tonight, references back to to, to that time. Um, but but I you know I mean Joe you've met some of the people like when we, you know when we went to uh, to see Arctic Monkeys you met some of the you know you met people Sean you've met uh-huh. some of my friends and and you know and you've met Pete and people like that you know uh, back in Sheffield uh, I've always been around a lot of interesting people and even out here you know I, I kind of still gravitate towards people who are maybe a little bit you know a little bit off kilter <laughs> and and I think you know musicians are a big big part of that so. Yeah, and actually, I, I think uh, well, I'm going to. St- I'm, this is my first story, and what I'm going to propose, and I hope you guys are okay with this, is maybe I'll tell a story, and then you tell a story, and then I'll tell a story, and then Sean can tell a story, and then I'll this tell sounds finish good. the story. <laughs> this sounds good. I like this. So, so my first one comes from a time when I was working at a place called the Northern General Psychiatric Unit, and uh, as part of this very acute facility where we dealt with people who had, you know, fairly significant uh, acute psychiatric emergencies. We also had a, a place that where people went to spend a little bit more time kind of decompressing and they weren't as visibly ill. Often we were getting some social help and that kind of stuff. And uh, when we worked there, we, we just wore our street clothes. You know, it was a very relaxed environment. You could smoke. Uh, the staff used to smoke. In fact, Sometimes it was a little difficult to differentiate the staff from the patient because everybody was in the street clothes and everybody was smoking. <laughs> and so, you know, this is, it was kind of a little bit interesting. So uh, one of the great things uh, was that my shift finished around 9.30 when I worked in the evening, which gave my friend Steve a chance to come over and pick me up. And we could then dash to town, get a couple of beers in, and then go to a club. And hopefully I wasn't working early the next morning and we'd be able to do all this good stuff. So what I would do is I'd bring a change of clothes and we had a staff changing room that had a shower and and towels and stuff in there. And so if my shift finished at 9.30, about 9.15, I'd just kind of dash off, rip off all my work clothes, put my good stuff on that I'd had hanging up in this uh, place all day long. And and then I'd walk back upstairs, say goodbye to everybody, and I'd be out the door and I was going off to a, a night of pure merriment, to be honest. It was crazy. So... I, so I said to everybody, okay, I'm just going to disappear for five minutes, you know, just kind of keep an eye on things. I go to the room where everything is all prepared beautifully for me, and, and there's my trousers, and there's no shirt. It's gone, right? Now, the rest of the clothes I'm wearing, they're not suitable for going out at night, and plus I've been in a smoke-filled environment with a bunch of maniacs all day long, so that's probably not good either. So I stormed back out and I, and I said, right, gather everybody up together, all the patients. And they all, they all gathered up and, and they're all looking, you know, like, what, what's going on? I said, right, who's got my shirt? I know one of you sons of the guns has taken it. Who's got my shirt? And everybody, and you know, you have to imagine that some of these people were, were depressed. And so, so some of them were not really paying out, you know, they didn't look like they were really bothered about the whole thing. Not realizing that I was having an acute psychiatric emergency myself because they were cutting into the time that I needed to go out and have fun. Right, I said, 
get to the other staff, search everywhere, okay? Get all the lockers open. I want to see if the, because somebody's got it. I know somebody's got it. And, and I was just furious. And, and I knew I was getting late on time as well. So I'm running all over the place. I'm running all over the place. And I don't know for what reason. I just walked into, we had like a laundry room. And in the corner of the room was like a large basin with a bunch of sheets that somebody had just uh, soiled earlier in the day. And so they were soaking them to try and get all the soil out. And in the corner of this soiled monstrosity, I could see the corner of my shirt sticking out of this thing. And I was just like, what? So I, so I, I, I get a pair of gloves and I reach in there and, 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 I, and I, 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 I grab this thing and it's, you know, it's in the shitty water basically. Oh my God. So now I have to throw it in the washing machine, put it on like a rapid thing, get it out. Okay, so put it in a thing with about 500 of those, you know, things. And I'm already now half an hour late or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'll never find out who's done it. Uh, even though I wanted to absolutely strangle whoever it was at the time. And so eventually we get out, we've missed the bar, but we end up going to the nightclub. And it's like the worst night of my life because all night long I'm going like this. Yeah, yeah how are you? Are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that, that was one of a, a million things that happened to me at that place. Uh, that one is, is kind of a stay for work. Uh, many of them weren't. Uh, but we had some amazing times and we really had some amazing people there, you know, met some really uh, wonderful staff members that, that were very committed to, to mental health, uh, including, you know, Sean's uncle, Jonathan, uh, 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 my uncle, Glenn, uh, and, and then my uh, grandparents both worked at a psychiatric hospital, which probably explains a lot about all of us now I think about it. Uh, we gravitate towards people who are kind of strange. So but that's, that's the first of my stories. It just made me think of another one as well while I was, while I was at it. Oh, oh, do tell. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, I will do it. It's the same place, only on a different ward. So there were four units there, and they were kind of stacked on top of each other. This one time I was working night shift, and uh, the unit, we were packed, very, a lot of very sick people. And when we got really, really busy like that, what we do is we take our better patients who were, you know, probably presented less of a danger to other people and, and were not as acutely sick. And we would move them downstairs to an area that had mostly uh, women who were suffering what's called purple psychosis when they have like a, a psychotic incident after they've given birth. So um, I'm, working up, I'm working upstairs in the acute unit and it's, you know, three o'clock in the morning, something like that. I, I, the phone rings and they're like, get down here now. We've got a massive problem. So there's a back store, back stairs. I, I dash down the back stairs and um, I, I open the door and right in front of me is like a barricade uh, of chairs. And behind it is this guy and he's got a big, well, you know, those two liter like Coke bottles. Well, they used to be glass before. So he's got one of those and he's like smashed it and he's, he's going, you know, come on, come on. And, and he looks like a, he looks like a, a maniac. And I'm thinking, oh God, you know, three o'clock in the morning as well, he's waking everybody up. So I says, okay, listen, mate. I said, you know, first thing I said, you know, you can't be behaving like this. And uh, in psychiatry, a lot of the work that you do is, is to kind of, you know, work out little deals, if you like. I said, you know, you, you, you can't 
do this. I said, what's, what's going on here? He said, well, I wanted to listen to some music and, and you know, and they won't let me listen to it because it's, it's three o'clock in the morning. I mean, and there's other people asleep in that area. Yeah. Uh, I said, well, I, you know, I can empathize with that. I said, I love to listen to the music myself. And I said, but nothing's going to happen while you're throwing that, you know, big bottle around. Uh, so, you know, the first thing is you need to, to put that down and, and, and let's go somewhere where we can talk a little bit more about your behavior tonight. And I said, uh, I said, if you put the bottle down and your, you know, your, your, your behavior is okay, I'll, I'll get you some music. You can listen to it for a while and then it'll be off to bed kind of thing. He said, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, so we go off to this little side room. It's actually like a, it's not a padded cell, but it's a, it's a very safe room with soft furniture and things like that. Um, with, with one probably noticeable difference from uh, a lot of places in, uh, in America that, they have like a little button on the wall and you press it and, a, and like a coil lights up briefly so you can light cigarettes because all the patients used to smoke. Cool little feature. So I, I get, uh, you know, like a small boom box and I tell him, okay, listen, you know, here's the problem. You know, your behavior was entirely inappropriate. You can't be doing all this waving glass around and all this kind of stuff. It's just, no, it's crazy. But I'll, I'll let you listen to, you know, some music for a little while. And then tomorrow, you know, you're going to get your ass kicked, basically, because you have to meet with the entire team and explain your actions for tonight. Oh, I'm so sorry. He said, I really, I don't know what came over me. I'm just, you know, it's terrible. But I said, listen, good. Keep the music nice and low. And uh, half an hour, you can head off to bed kind of thing. Great. Thanks. Really appreciate it. He said, thanks so much. I walk down the hallway. I get about five yards outside the door. And he puts the music up to like 11. So, and it's 3.30 in the morning now. So, so I run back in there, open the door, turn the music down. And I said, okay, listen, we've got this deal, right? And, uh, you know, you, it's up to you to keep your side of the bargain. It's a two-way deal. You know, I mean, otherwise, if you keep breaking the agreement, it's off to bed now. There's no music and it's all done and you're in even more trouble tomorrow than you're already in. Okay, I'm really sorry. He said, I don't know what came over me. you not like me at all. Okay, I put the music on at you know three or something like that. Just listening away. I go outside. I get about twice as far down the hallway this time, and it's just straight back up, fully cranked up, top volume. Oh my god! I said, "What's wrong with this this guy?" So I go back in there, and I said, "Okay, you know, and this repeats one more time." So the third time I go in, I tell him, "Okay, the deal's off. Okay, you have violated our agreement. I'm taking the music away, and when I come back, you're off to bed." And I walk back down and I'm telling these other people, nurses and stuff, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, there's just this horrific shriek. And it's like, if you have kids, uh, you'll know what this is like. It's like when your kids fall over and you know it's no big deal. And there's something that you're like, oh, no, they broke their arm or something or killed somebody or something like that. Something bad happened. So I go running back down and I fling open the door and the guy is laying on his back. And he's on fire. What? <laughs> right? He is on fire. He's like his pants. He's, and he's, what he's done is he's pressed this thing, lit something, and then set himself on fire. So his pants are like, and he's screaming, I'm on fire. Like, I can't tell. So I reach outside. There's a, thank God, a, one of those ABC fire extinguishers. And I just, I just blasted him from head to toe with this thing. And, and, and he was sitting there, and it was like one of those comedy shows, you know, where, where they, they blink. And you can, but his, his head is covered in foam. His whole body was covered in this ABC foam. 
and I'm actually about ready to kill him as well because I'm just furious with this guy now, you know. And I'm, I'm and then I look at him and I just think, oh my god, he was on fire, you know. I hope he's okay. And I, I, I said to him, you know, are you okay? And he, he's just like, I, I'm, I was on fire, you know. Go, Why did you do that? So I said, listen, I'm going to take him quickly. The emergency room was literally across the street. So we run across the street with this guy and we walk in and it's quite busy, the emergency room. And I just realized we must just look. I mean, this guy looks like Robinson Crusoe with the tattered trousers. They're still smoldering a bit. He's covered, the entire front of his body is covered in foam. But if he turns around, it's just completely normal. He looks like it. And they just go, psychiatric unit? And I went, yeah. And they just took us straight in the back. That was that one. Wow. That's a good story. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like how the that cigarette lighter thing kind of came back <laughs> in the room. Yeah. Right. Man. Never introduced yeah, again in the first act. I, I shortened <laughs> that uh, that story to make it more palatable. There we go. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. What was what was left out? <laughs> yeah. That's the question. That was a good story. Oh, man. Man. That was a good story. Yeah, I uh, and it's amazing because okay, so you know, Shawnee and I have been friends for 26, 25, 26 years now. So I've yeah. I've heard a lot of stories, but these two are are new, yeah. and I'm really happy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys, My virgin you guys want to tell you want to tell a story? Oh man! Or you or you want another? I, uh, one? We gotta we gotta. I mean. I don't know. We were talking off air. I, about I, I got I don't know if, that I have five that are like safe for podcast <laughs> SFP, but, um, but I, I mean, I've got a couple that are, you know, on the edge that I think we, we can probably tell. Um, okay. So, okay. This is a fun one. Cause this, this actually does involve the three of us plus miles who uh, Sean lived with in college for a number of years. Right. We came, uh, we can't, well, no, we partied the night before in, in at uh, University of Santa Cruz. Hungovers as shit. We we take the uh, the one all the way, and we're at your guys's place. Sean has a orthodontist appointment in the morning, and the the deposit for housing was due um, Sunday night. So okay. the plan was that um, Sean was going to come back to Monterey on his own. But me and Miles were going to go back to Monterey and pay all the deposits. Yesterday, you gave me cash. And we're like, this Ooh. is Sean's deposit. Please get the money in on time. And I was like, of course. He's like, this is his deposit. Don't lose this money. I was like, I'm the most trustworthy, responsible out of ever. Yes, of course. I've got this. And um, we're trying to figure out what to do that night. We weren't yet 21, so it's not like we go to the bars. We decided to go to North Beach. We decided go to broadway we decided to go to the strip club strip we went clubs. to the roaring 20s and um miles had never been to a strip club before and i don't know that you had either shawnee i think maybe it might have been both yeah, of you guys first, first time, time yeah. <laughs> um it was maybe my second or third but um we're there you know and i'm like at this point i've been to a strip club two or three times it's old hat i know that you know I'm not going to pay for a private dance. I'm going to sit there with my buddies at the table and ha 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 ha. Here's just the one. Chill. Just chill. Well, we're all at kind of different tables and stuff. And I remember Miles coming up to me um, and he goes, yo, two strippers. 
they're gonna they're gonna give us a dance at the same time. I was like, I don't think they do that, dude. He's like, Yes, I already talked to them. They're gonna do two strippers at the same time. We needed a hundred bucks. I go, I don't have a hundred bucks, Miles. I'm not spending a hundred bucks. He goes, Sean said we could use the deposit of cash and uh, we'll pay him back in the morning. I was like, No. He's like, Yeah. I'm like, Really? He's like, Yeah, come on. I was like, Cool. So um it's a hundred dollars. That sounds plausible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the deal is so you know plausible. two uh two private Should dances I? in one room for a hundred dollars mm-hmm. and we get to right. the top of the stairs and they start to separate and we and we stop them we go no 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 we were, we're gonna be in the same this is one this is a twofer this is a, you know and or a two for two and um they go no we don't do that here so miles took 80 and left me with 20 and do you know what the the 20 dollars gets you fucking nothing even take her (laughs) it was just her (laughs) dancing for me i was like look i don't really want to do this like you can keep the 20 i i just i want to go back downstairs she's like when the dance is over i'm like fuck fuck miles (laughs) so i go downstairs and i find shawnee and i go sean he goes hey man i was like hey thank you so much he's like what are you talking about i go for the for the dance he's like what are you talking about i said Miles yeah. said that we could use your cash. He's like, no, I didn't. I didn't say that, dude. What are you talking about, dude? Dude, <laughs> Miles comes down the stairs, happiest man in the world. He's like, yo, that was amazing. That was so incredible. Miles, the other wrinkle in this story is that Miles had left his wallet in Santa Cruz the night before. Oh, yeah. So we get so back had- to your... Yeah, we were like, I was like, dude, you know, you got to pay Sean back. He's like, yeah, we'll stop at Santa Cruz on the way back to Monterey, get my wallet. We got to drive to Pebble Beach because that's where the only bank for him was. And then go back to Monterey, pay the deposit before the offices close at like four o'clock or whatever it was. So we go back to your guys' place. We're drinking Heineken's all night. We get wasted. We're hungover, shit. We we have to take we have to take the one the entire way back because we have to stop at Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz campus. Yeah. Get Miles's wallet to get back to Pebble Beach to get back to Monterey. And I remember we're driving to Santa Cruz. I don't remember if it was before Santa Cruz or after, but we're on the one one way road. Can't get around. There's just truck, you know, like an old truck from like is it from the fifties or the seventies? I don't know, but he's definitely maybe a gardener. Maybe one one once upon a time, just going fifteen miles an hour on the one and we're just right. hung over as fuck and we're like are you kidding me it's going any longer <laughs> and i'm trying to get around this guy he's swerving when i swerve blah blah he's finally getting sick of my shit and he like stops on his brake and blocks us from going any further and he gets out and then me and miles were like no fuck that and we got out and we looked at him he got back in his car and went off <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we got miles's wallet we got to pebble beach he got the money we got back with like five ten minutes to spare he got the deposit money in Got it in, on time. Got it just in. Made it. Yeah. Just made just it. Just made it. Just made it. That, that, that reminds me of a quick story. Uh, it was, it's related to strip clubs. Uh, a friend of mine who will go unnamed uh, had his bachelor party in Las Vegas. Uh, actually, a couple of, couple of days before he got married, which was rather foolish, but given my history of bachelor parties. But uh, it was a great time. Uh, but we, went, we ended up at a place called Sapphires. Uh, it, it's like a... It's like a basketball uh, court or something, you know, sized place, uh, just filled with really smoking hot young women from Las Vegas and around the country, I guess. I believe you've taken us there, possibly in a limo. Yeah, yeah, possibly. <laughs> uh, anyway, 
so, so on this particular occasion, uh, we picked up this guy's brother and a few of his, you know, uncles and things like that. And so we got there and, you know, as we're just sitting before we even barely got a drink, the brother's up and off with the first girl that comes over and, you know, and he's having a great time. So we could get a few drinks and, you know, I'm just kind of making sure everybody's doing okay. And then the, the brother comes back uh, with the girl and she's like, he's not paid me yet. And we had seven dances. And I told him, dude, you know, like you got to pay her. And he goes, you don't have to pay, do you? And I go, what? Are you a moron? Sorry, rhetorical question. And, and, and he thought it was free. Nothing's ever free. What? <laughs> That's not how that so, works. You know, so, so I had to, I had to rip out, you know, some of the old emergency cash for idiot money, uh, you know, and and pay this this uh, this young woman off and tip her before the bouncers came over and ripped it. You know, this guy's yeah. brother, <laughs> whose bachelor party was limb from limb, uh, took him out and took out a little dusting outside. So that was kind of a, that was kind of one of those that, oops, it almost went a little bit wrong there. You know, it was just like an episode of Gigolos. Joey, to be honest. Man, I've been watching so much Gigolos. I've been crushing <laughs> Gigolos. Yes. Yes. That, yeah, is, that is just the, it's, it's the most awful show ever, isn't it? It's like, but you can't, it's amazing. It's not, like, it's, it's hip, pure. It's hypnotic. It's yeah. hypnotic, man. It's just, get mm-hmm. like into the veins. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Yeah. I'm so glad. Jonathan. Do you, have a, yeah. do you have a fun story? Uh, I feel like we've told this one before, but uh, to preface it, we were at Outside Lands in San Francisco at the Golden mm. Gate uh, Park. And I think it was like 2011. I think that was the year, 2011, Joe. Um, it was cool. Outside Lands, a three-day festival. And I think they're still, I mean, not this year, but they're still doing it year for year. There we go. That's proof. And a little autograph if you guys don't see it. And I guess the quick story was uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Mick Jones from uh, The Clash and I guess uh, Big Audio Dynamite, which was the band he was playing in at the time. Uh, they I played, probably. I think they played like the first day or it was like the first or second day, um, which was super cool. I think, you know, we had a great time and it was just kind of amazing to see Mick Jones up there, like one of the surviving Clash members. Yeah. And uh I yeah. think it was the second day because um, it was a three-day festival. We were walking around randomly. I think we were all kind of feeling a little rough uh, just from just exhaustion of being there for a few days. Who, who knows what. Uh, yeah. And who knows what, uh, if we were intoxicated or not. But, um, yeah, so we were just kind of like just walking around, exploring the, the grounds. And, you know, it's so cool. It's Golden Gate Park. It's full of interesting things. And what do you know? We see this, uh, this kind of gentleman in front of us. And he has a pin, like pinstripe suit, and immediately I think we both just like looked at each other, like holy shit! I grabbed you by the backpack, and I <laughs> rocketed you like, back and forth. Holy shit, that's freaking, that's freaking Mick Jones, dude. And this wasn't the same day right. he performed, so this was kind of cool. He was kind of, right. I guess, maybe just walking around right. enjoying. Some he of the was just hanging out, yeah. He was just hanging out, yeah. So it, I don't know. We had like one of those moments, and we just said, well, you know, we have to, we have to go up to him and say something or do something. Yeah, and we ended up getting yeah. his autograph and, and talking to him for like a second. So cool. He wouldn't and shake so our hands. He just kept saying, "You're very kind." You're <laughs> yeah, very, very kind. kind. But uh, yeah, that was the time we met Mick Jones at Outside Lands, and we yeah. still—I think we, yeah—I have my little plaque of uh, the little pamphlet 
or flyer and he signed both of ours and that's the that's the story of mick jones it's, yeah. it's a cool story <laughs> it was, well you know we so we talked to him originally and we i think we got the autographs and then we were embarrassed to ask for a picture and he walked away and then we saw him like 20 30 minutes later and we're like we should get a picture yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so we do have yeah. a picture it's, yeah. you gotta you gotta document that moment right yeah cool. absolutely i just remember the because you picked us up that night and we told you in the whole way home you're just fucking mick jones right yeah <laughs> i was jones. kind of a little jealous i think i, think I was <laughs> jealous i was just gonna leave you there yeah. I'm not those guys home. I mean, that, that was honestly the highlight for that. I mean, those some great performances out outside lands that year, but I think yeah. that was the biggest yeah. highlight for for both of us. And to go home and just like, holy shit, we met Mick Jones and took a that picture with him, an autograph. Yeah. So yeah, that's my my quick little story. I feel like we've told that one before, but I think it's yeah. I mean, it's, it's always repeating. so super cool, and it, it's probably going to tie into some of our very cool top fives later on. Uh, so. I love that. Hey Joey. Um, did you, by any chance, uh, receive any pictures from me earlier? I don't know. I sent them to your CSU MB account. Because I've got one uh, more story, if you'll indulge me. Oh, yes. And, and so oh, I'm going to tell this story. Okay. And so, uh, you know, uh, very careful. Look at the, the most recent one, because it tells you the order of the pictures, which is very important. Okay. All right. What we're gonna, I, we're gonna insert these together. into the into the video part of it. Yes, come, we do the video. Come so wonderful. Uh, we, uh, my wife and I, Sean's uh, mom and I, uh, go off Virginia. Well, we go off to Florida a few years ago for a wedding, and uh, mysteriously, uh, before we get to the wedding, we end up at a beautiful golf resort where we spend two days, and my wife goes to visit some relatives of hers while I play uh, golf, and it's just terrible. Laying out by the pool, golfing, it, you know, it's just shocking. <laughs> the next day, we're, we're heading down towards West Palm Beach, and uh, we're going to, you know, just head down there, take a night to stay there, enjoy the beach down there, and then drive down to the Florida Keys, where the wedding is going to be of my cousin and his uh, future bride. So uh, as we're driving down what they call Alligator Alley, which is, you know, there's like, there's like alligators, you know, on the edge of the road. And it's like, and, and some of them are like chopped in half because they've been run over and stuff. But there's, there's clearly a lot of reptiles around. And we're in the Everglades. You know, it's Florida. It's a giant. The whole state is a marsh, so it's very wet down there. And I see this big sign, and it says, you know, alligator farm tours of the Everglades in these airboats. You know, the kind that have got these massive propellers behind them and, and the kind of flat bottom things. I said, we've got to go do this. So we go in and we see the, the person. They said, uh, yeah, well, we have tours for 12 people, tours for six, and, uh, you know, tours for just uh, the two of you. I said, how about we do a tour for the two of us, and we'll, you know, just take two hours or something. We can have a little run around. Well, that's great. She said, in fact, we're going to give you Captain Gerald. Uh, he's one of our most experienced uh, pilots, uh, and he also lives in the Everglades. And he sometimes takes people to his house and, um, and I'm thinking barbecues them or something like this, but he lets them take pictures from his roof and you can get a 360 degree shot of the Everglades kind of thing. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And so we go outside and wait in line and here comes Captain Gerald. And so 
it's really cool. So uh, I think there's a, there's a picture that shows us you're going through these kind of channels with the sawgrass on either side and you're kind of doing this, you know, in the boat, they're kind of doing this, you know, this like really cool, and it's loud as all heck because you've got this massive, like a plane engine with a giant propeller behind your head and you're sitting kind of elevated on seats, you know, like bench seats. So, and there's wildlife flying all over the place and, and every now and again, you slow down, there's an alligator in the, in the thing, you get your camera out and you shoot a picture. Oh my God, he's right there. Unbelievable. And so we're sitting like in the front seat as a picture for this as well. And Captain Gerald is sitting behind us, right? And we're about 45 minutes into this uh, trip. And I see this huge alligator, maybe 15 feet. I said, look at the size of that thing. Captain, and you have to shout, you're all wearing, you know, like headphones. He's got headphones on. So you have to say like, look at that. See how big it is. And he's like, oh, we'll go take a look at it. And we're probably doing about 40 miles an hour. And he starts putting the, one of those boats, they don't turn like a boat turns. They kind of drift like a car, you know, and you've got this, in essence, like not flat, but they're kind of flat. And this side, when you're turning sideways, puts a big piece against the water. And I just remember looking down and seeing these roots and the whole thing just catapulted us over. And we just got thrown out into the Everglades with alligators, poisonous snakes, and all kinds of crap. And I mean, we hit the water at like 40 miles an hour. There's no land anywhere around us, except sawgrass, which is called sawgrass because it'll just slice you to pieces. Thank God we're in water that was only about waist deep. Uh, but it smelled like, you know, whatever Jurassic Park smelled like 10 million years ago. We just disturbed something that had never been disturbed before. And, and I turned around and I looked at Captain Gerald and, and I said, what the fuck just happened there? And he went, well, that's never happened before. And I go, well, it just happened. Yeah. And I'm in the Everglades up to my waist in water. We just were 35 yards away from that 15-foot alligator. I said, if that thing comes around the corner, you have to fight it, okay? You live here. That's your job. I don't fight alligators. I'm not doing any of that stuff. In the meantime, I managed to, 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 to lift your, your mother up and get her on the, like the, the boat was now, and Joey, there's a picture for this. The boat is on its side, wedged in the water. So what you see when you're looking at the boat is, is sky where it should be water. Oh, man. And so she was on the boat and trying to climb up on this thing was impossible because all the surfaces that previously are set up like this, when it's sideways are now like this or they're like knife edges. And of course, my shoes got sucked off when I hit the water uh, and I couldn't find my flip flops. And Captain Gerald very generously said, maybe I can help you by giving you a, you know, a, a knee up. I put my knee here, you can stand on it and, and you'll be able to climb up onto the boat. And so I put my 240 pounds on his knee and he sank about three feet into the swamp and it was just useless. So I said, that was a good idea, but let's just uh, not do that. So the next thing we do is we're like, I said, well, I'm sure you've got like, uh, you know, flares and, and a satellite radio and all that kind of stuff. He went, no, I don't. Uh, I said, do you have any kind of a radio at all? And he's like, uh, no. And, and so I go, oh my God. So I reached into my pocket, which is underwater and to get my cell phone out. And it's just dialing everybody I've ever known in my entire life. It's just going crazy. Apps are opening. It's soaking wet. It's just shorting out, basically. 
uh, I said to your mother, look, maybe in your bag, it's okay, you know, with the zipper on. She opens the bag up and it's like one of those comedy films, where, you know, where the fish come out and everything. It's like all this dirty <laughs> water came out. And, and we were like one generation away from those phones that you can drop in the water for 30 you know, minutes or something and they still work. And so I'm just looking at Captain Gerald thinking, well, you know, we're going to be found draped over this bowl, you know, dead. Uh, and our kids will say, what the hell happened to these guys? You know, and why is there a skeleton over there all eaten by alligators and stuff? <laughs> anyway, he, he reaches into his top pocket and he pulls out a, a Motorola flip phone, you know, like those plastic kind of things. And at first I was just like, oh my God, we're doomed here. You know, it, it's, it, this is the end of it. And then I thought, you actually have to take one of those apart. And I remember inside, it's like a little square of rubber that kind of presses up against it and would almost form like a quasi watertight seal. And he opened it up and pressed the button and it was on speaker and he went, and I was just like, oh, thank God for that. And he pressed the button and it goes, ring, 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 ring. Hi, you've reached the sawgrass alligator farm. And I went, you don't have like a backdoor number. You're calling the main number of the place. He's like, yeah, there's only one number. And I'm like, oh my God, we could be here forever because if they get a lot of phone calls. Anyway, eventually he gets through and he's like, they're like, hello. And he goes, oh, hey, it's Captain Gerald. They go, oh, hey, Captain Gerald, how are you? He goes, well, not so great, which was probably an understatement, to be honest. He said, but I just flipped a boat over and I've got two guests in the water. And they went, what? Oh, my God, where are you? And he goes, on the way to my house. And then he hangs up. And I'm like, what are, you, are you mentally ill? I said, you don't you know the first rule of any film is you stay on the phone. We can beat your horn or something. We can hear you. You're getting closer, you know, that kind of thing. He's like, oh, they know where we are. And I look around, and we're just in like a giant swamp. There's no points of reference. There's nothing. And 45 minutes later, they came right to our boat because they knew he was heading to his house, and they know the best way to get there. But I tell you what, I mean, like we, so we get back to this, we get in the boat, they take us back to this place and we have to go and use the staff shower, which is just, you can imagine, it's the staff shower, okay? This is like, probably looks worse than what they take the monkeys and shit to, to shower in. It was unbelievable. And there's me and Mrs. Day getting all showered and just, <laughs> we're just completely can't believe we're still alive. I mean, we should have been killed. There's no doubt about it. When you hit that water at 40 miles an hour, it's, it's over, it's like concrete. Your, your mum had a bruise that went from here to here on the inside of her arm that went yellow like the next day and just looked like I was an abusive husband or something. It was terrible. But um, that was just an ama amazing, amazing story. And then we had to go to a wedding after this. Yeah, so we had to same day? Know, go to this wedding. Same day, yeah. Same uh, it was day. A, couple of days, a couple of days later. But I did realize that when I got to the, the hotel we checked into that night in Palm Beach, and I, 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 we, we must have looked like we were shell-shocked, just zombies, just walking in there. And I said, you know, do, do you have a, a laundry service? And he said, yeah. And I gave him this little bag of clothes, but it weighed a ton because it was soaking wet. And he went, oh, my God, what's up with that? You know? And I just gave him a very brief version of the story. He went, oh, my God, go to the bar and have a drink right away. He said, on us. We don't want that to be your last experience of Florida. So I go to the bar, and the, the bartender said, the guy said you got a fantastic story. And I told him the story, and he bought me a drink. And I was like, I need to start working on this story a little bit, you know. <laughs> You're gonna like, workshop get, it. Like, get some money off of this thing, yeah. So that, so that was my uh, Florida story. Yeah, uh, that is a very good one. That's a good, yeah. So I think that's five. Yeah, or <laughs> we had five. Wow, that's five. Some good Mike wow. Davis yeah. there. In no particular order. <laughs> I like that. 
it's we got the, good. We got pictures, so we'll, we'll insert them into the video. So when yes. Watch, yeah. Those are those are. Crazy. I mean, those tell a pretty those tell a pretty good story. I always call the the one of uh, Virginia and I sitting in the boat with Captain Joe behind us. Virginia and I in happier days. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I still, I still can't believe that happened to us, to be honest, and that we're here to tell the story. It was just so crazy. That is nuts. That is, uh, that's that's an episode of a TV show or something. You know what I mean? Like that's right. wild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but in Florida, I think that's normal. There was one night um, when I was still living on Lane Street in Monterey, I got a text from you. I was already out, actually. I was at the bars with my buddy Ricky. And um, you texted me and said, I'm on Alvarado Street, come find me. And there's, you know, there's 20 bars on Alvarado Street, but I was like, I know where he is. And went to the duck. Crown and, and anchor. Um, <laughs> no, we were at the duck, yeah. yeah. Lucky duck. Or now, now, it's the, now it's the bull and bear. Bear and bull um, or something, yeah, bull yeah. and bear. Some bullshit, yeah. It's because yeah. people got stabbed there when Chris, when New Year's Eve. We got to rebrand. Yeah. Like, I think this is the perfect brand. But um, yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so then I, I actually have video from that night of you telling that story to a crowd of people in the back section. Uh, oh, is that right? I oh, yeah, that, yeah. Was, uh, that was the CDW guys, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was the night where I was drinking craft beers and then we hooked up with you and you started buying me just, I don't know how many Jamesons. And then you're like, come back <laughs> yeah. to the hotel and you put a goblet of red wine in my hand. And yeah, um, next thing I know, I'm thrown up in a planter box. <laughs> and somehow managed to get into a lift and the whole way home whenever we're at a red light just <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. that was a good night <laughs> that was that was a good night that was fun now how, how are we going to do the uh the next top five all right well we already kind of touched on the clash um and mm. i think it's it's up there for all of us um i don't know if they're my favorite band of all time but they're certainly in the top five um, and I think they kind of rank somewhere similar for, for both of you too. Am I, am I, am I wrong in this? Yeah. They, they're definitely in my top five. Yeah. Right on. Oh yeah. So with, with, with a, with a couple of reservations, uh, you know, like we don't count cut, cut the crap or, uh, yeah. In combat rock, but we're not, we're not going to go. We're not going to be, we're, gonna, we're not going to be, we're not gonna go this there. is not a negativity <laughs> show. No. Um, but I, I was like, all right, well, if we, if we sneak in, you know, something other than stories, I want to know, I want to know what your top five Clash songs are. I want to get in depth with, uh, you know, because you have been uh, kind of our mentor of music, uh, in a way. So, I'm curious. I'm curious what, uh, how you would rank them. Well, this is tough, actually. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes think uh, when you guys are, are trying to pull out, you know your top fives it's it's always got to be difficult but you know there's a pretty extensive catalog to to look at here yeah yeah um I know, I know you guys ran through each album previously and one of the things that, that i really as i was thinking about this uh you know particularly today uh I, I thought to myself there are some albums that i just you know i i, I probably should give them another listen but some albums that i just wasn't real you know they just never really caught me and there are certain like for example i i just can't stand to hear rock the casbah it, it's just it's it's great you know, how some people use, 
Uh, yeah, it really is. And I guess it's just, it's it's so overplayed here. And, and it's like a lot of people have that vision of the clash and it's just, it feels all wrong to me, you know, like it, anyway. So my number five, uh, and, and these are ranked uh, and, and as of today, as of so today. this is yeah, again, yeah. Subject, <laughs> subject to listening to something else tomorrow. But <laughs> I've got a number five, English Civil War. Ooh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, this this was a, a really difficult album uh, for the Clash, you know, because they just came off, you know, probably one of the uh, best debut albums for any band, uh, and certainly of that genre, you know, so so uh, so cutting and so socially aware, and then came, you know, uh, give them enough rope and. And it was a fairly sizable change in direction in, in many cases. And I think, you know, felt a lot different. Um, but, but, you know, you, you, you go back and, and, and it's, sometimes as well, time is a, good, is a good filter for some of these things. You know, you listen to something, you're like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I really like that, that band. And, and you go back and you're like, wow, you know, I'm experiencing some of this right now with some bands from the 70s, like Bread and people like that, that just have these amazing songs to, to listen to. But... Uh, this one just, you know, it, 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 the English Civil War was in, was in full flight with, in Thatcher's Britain. It was, you know, it was a lot of unrest. There was police violence in the streets. We had miners on strike and all those kinds of things. It seemed like all that was around the same time. I'm sure, you know, maybe I'm blurring some, some lines. But, you know, the, the, the punk movement was born out of, I think, uh, just a feeling of disenfranchisement with society and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a willingness to push boundaries a little bit. And, you know, we had a sizable, I think I've talked to you about this before, both of you, there was a sizable nationalist movement going on back then called the National Front, who were, you know, really uh, diametrically opposed to the experiences that we were having as young people. Our friends were from all kinds of different varying backgrounds. We loved reggae music and, and, and things like that. You know, they were all integral. And, and, and people like, you know, a lot of black people, a lot of uh, gay people uh, and, and punks were kind of driven together because we could tolerate each other without any problem. You know, it was just like live and let live. So I think that, you know, this is another, uh, another song by The Clash that just kind of, you know, uh, was interesting. Uh, and uh, I, I just, it's probably the only what Tommy Gunn's on the album as well, I think. Uh, and, and I've always really liked that song as well. But, but English Civil War for me uh, off that album is, 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 is one of my favorites. Judy's been working for the drug squad is also That's a, good one. a really, really good song on, on that, that thing. So that, that was my Safe number European five. Home is my favorite on that yeah. album. That's yeah. Um, I, I do have a question though for you because you're saying, or you just said that you felt Given Enough Rope was kind of different than their first album. When I listen to it, I think it's, a very similar lesser experience to their self-titled uh debut and then you get to london calling and then that's where i feel like whoa who are these guys so, so I, i'm just like what, what's what's the difference that you hear i think i think so i think you know uh, the the urgency of the first record is is pretty amazing I, I think the production values are completely different if you look at the use of harmonies uh in in this you know like with things like uh safe european homes a great example they've got that safe european homes going on in the background and it's kind of that like that it's like a 
it's not like a punk version of something. It's, it's like a song version of something. It's like real songs, right? You know, they've crafted those songs, I think, with more attention to detail. Uh, I, I don't remember, different producer, I think, as well. So I think that, you know, makes a, a difference as well. So I, I think, you know, for me, the, the rawness of the first album, you know, just came across as completely different. And, and, and it was, uh, now I look back and I say, okay, it was probably one of the most orderly transitions uh, that we've ever seen of, of maturity. Remembering, of course, that probably a lot of what Joe Strummer was doing prior to the first Clash album was probably more like what he was doing in London Calling and, and on, uh, you know, on the uh, second album. So, uh, you know, he, he had to kind of devolve a little bit to go to the first Clash album and get a little bit raw. And, and I think that was a lot of his, you know, his living circumstances. He was squatting in London and doing some things that were, you know, a little bit off the mainstream. There was all the other energy around at that time and, and kind of the involvement of things like, like fashion had never really been a massive thing with with music you know it was just kind of like you, you got bell bottoms on and you wore your stuff and did your thing and then all of a sudden it was like it was it was okay to just wear crazy stuff you know and and if you if you got a like i used to have a jacket from the from like a postal worker or something and it was just you know it was an old one but it, it was it looked kind of cool and it was different and people adopted things and and it was you know i, I think it was a to me and it still is it's kind of like a, i think i've said this again to you guys it's kind of a it's not a way of life, but it's an ethos, you know, it's kind of being punk. Anybody can be a punk. Uh, and I don't mean like a punk, you know, jackass. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that I think it's, it's how you look at things. And, uh, and, uh, and, and you can't be a right wing punk. By nature, it's leaning to the more socially justice type stuff. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's my number five, and that's my explanation. I hope that's, uh, that, that meets uh, your requirements there. I like it. I do, you like want, it do, you want num- do you want number four? Please. Are we yes. doing that, or are you guys going to go? Okay. We, we, I mean, we, 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 we go. Well, so, so number four for me, I pick Career Opportunities. Uh, I, I, just, I just love this song. It, it's so singable, first of all, mm-hmm. and it's just so, it just so great. I, I think... Uh, uh, Mick Jones was, was you know, writing, uh, he worked at the post office. And at that time, as I was just talking about, you know, we had the IRA bombings where, you know, they were blowing up places in London all the time. And one of the most common delivery methods was a letter bomb. And so, uh, you know, it, and so what they started doing was the post office, you know, this is, you know, remember we went back before technology existed to do stuff like x-ray things and all that, I did not thought of that. You know, they'd like casually open a letter and see if there was a bomb inside. And that was that reference to, you know, I want open letter bombs for you in that, in that song. But I think that whole thing, it was, uh, it was just about, you know, the, 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 the hopelessness at that time, I think, of, you know, in, 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 in England, uh, we had a lot of people who were unemployed. Uh, we had, again, this, you know, kind of a lot of social unrest uh, with lots of things going on and, uh, for me, it's just it's just a, a great, great, great song. The pacing's really, really good, uh, and it's got that you know, kind of really great feel to it. In the career opportunity, the one that never not. It, it just is. It's just a great. It's just a great song. I mean, Joey, I know you love that song as well. 
I love it. Um, I'm partial to the version on Sandinista sung by children. Okay. Not really. Not really. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good song. It's um, it might be the only Clash song I know how to play like by heart on guitar and shit. Hey. That's how about that? That's a good one. That's something to think of. Yeah. We, got, we yeah. gotta play some more Clash uh, songs, Joey. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we never done uh, that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm gonna Let's go with it. number. I'm gonna go with number three. Number three. Number three. This is. I love this song. The card sheet. Yes. Ooh, that's a good one. Dun 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 boom dun 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 right. Such a great start to the song, and then this, and then the you know the the lyrics just building you know up and and you can just get the sense of the whole thing you can kind of visualize it in your head yeah, uh, yeah. you know it, it, i mean well london calling is is just a special uh piece of work uh, overall but i you know i think uh so many songs stand out uh and I, you know and i was just you know my my kind of the the, the contenders if you like i got lost in the supermarket which was you know it was really quite revolutionary because you know that was the Clash doing disco at that time. So that was like that was like anathema to to the punk. It was the opposite. That was what they were rebelling against. So when they did that that drum beat, you know, kind of it was like oh. they went disco. You know, it's the worst thing that could ever happen. And everybody listened to the album. Like, oh my god, that album's fantastic. And I had uh, Spanish bombs on there as well, from, for, as a, also a backup because I just love that song as well. Spanish bomb is just great, but uh, the card she uh, also uh, you know a really good uh, Mick Jones uh, vocal. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. my favorite line in that one it sounds where he goes, uh, "What's the line? Um, There's something wrong here." He thinks you know it sounds like he yeah. almost turns away from like, the microphone, or yeah. it's an afterthought of an of a word. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's very yeah cool. yeah, uh, really 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 outstanding uh, song. Shots. Anyway. Dead. Number two, uh, you know, one of the great things about The Clash and many of the bands around them at that time uh, was their acceptance and incorporation of reggae music and, and ska music and, and, and uh, the influences. And, and, you know, the part of, uh, a big part of London was Brixton, which was just a huge black community where a lot of the you know reggae scene was coming out of there and again because of this cross-pollination between punks and reggae i think you know it was it, it fit naturally mm-hmm. and uh and it was a little counterculture you know back then until bands like the police started to make it a little bit more popular and, and then people like ub40 came along with the specials and all that and you could see that thing kind of grow out of that but yeah white man in, in uh, hammersmith palais uh, just a, a spectacular song, great bass line. You could just imagine that in a big old booming sound system, just shaking your stomach like crazy. It's just a really, really good song. And, uh, you know, great vocals again on that. I mean, it's it's a different sound to that that time of their, of their existence. You know, that was around the time of that first album. I think it was on the first album in the U.S., but not on the first album in the U.K. It was a B-side to White Riot, I think. And it's uh, it's just a really, really, really 
uh, you know, great, great song. And it's, it's, it's also quite long, um, you know, which again, that was a, a bit of a, a break from tradition because bands were pumping out, you know, it was like the Beatles in the early days. It was like a minute 30 and you were out, you know. Uh, if you couldn't say everything you wanted to say in a minute 30, speed it up, you know. So, <laughs> so this, this, was, this is again, you know, so a lot of times they kind of threw out, I think, things that were, you know, to their core audience were understood, but to a broader audience maybe helped to bring them into experience something like maybe listen to some reggae bands or whatever. You know, and, and I saw, uh, I think I saw uh, the specials when they were called the Coventry Automatics and they toured with The Clash. So we saw them, and so you know they also brought along you know other bands that had a, that yeah. kind of leaning, yeah. And you know, look at uh, uh, I think Don Letts who was involved with Big Audio Dynamite. You know, Don Letts has been a, a producer and a sound engineer and DJ in London, uh, and known those guys from back in the day. You know, and now he's like a big, you know, he's a big shot kind of guy. So, so White Man in Hammersmith Palais, a great, great, great song. And then my number one, uh, it really couldn't be anything else, to be honest. White Riot, uh, what a song. You know, I mean, this this is the kind of stuff that, you know, when we heard this these songs, it, it was like pure magic, to be honest. It's just like it, it just seemed to just grab you by the balls and just tell you, listen, we, we, know, what you're, we, know, we know what you're feeling. It, it doesn't feel great, but we're here with you. Uh, it, it's a fantastic song, Start even just the starting just that siren, right? You know, you just know some shit's going on here. Uh, it's going to be good. And, and it just gets better, you know? Uh, and and, it, and it's, it's, it's unvarnished, you know? It's saying things that were probably a little bit uncomfortable for a lot of people at that time, but it's just, it, here it is. It is what it is. Take it or leave it, you know? And I just think it's a, it, it's one of, you know, that's, <laughs> that's in my top five singles uh you know and and because i think it's just it just it just brings so much to the table it's just so awesome and it's not a long song and it's you know it's kind of a little uh, a little shouted you know but it just everything just makes it so right you know i love that little the fire bell at the end you know right as it, as it gets towards the end it just kind of like goes, it's just like you know it's going to be an emergency okay the rest of the album is coming and it's going to be an emergency situation it's going to be so great and that's how we felt you know we put that stuff on a record player remember back then no cds or anything it was on the record player you sit with three of your friends and you just put that on and you just hear and you just think oh my god it's gonna go off and it did and you're like wow this is awesome and then next week you're lined up for buzzcocks or something and so great stuff so i mean that was a, a difficult five I, I also had on there uh, on my on my uh, kind of you know c contenders police and thieves mm -hmm. uh which another just you know a, a, a cover song uh junior mervyn uh, was the original singer of that song but again i think it just showed the respect that they had for, for you know their their area where they lived and the community that they lived in, because you know that was a song that was well known to many of us already, but not the but not the Clash version. You know, we were used to hearing the original version, and and it, you know it happened with the people like UB40. You know, they did songs by other artists, uh, some of which were uh, you know uh, Scar songs, and some of which weren't Scar songs. You know, uh, and so I, I think you know this the Clash were one of the first groups 
uh, non-Jamaican or non, uh, you know, uh, Afro-Caribbean in England uh, to, to to really do that commercially. Yes. So, yes. yeah. Wonderful. I didn't pull anything off Sand. I didn't pull anything off Sandinista, and I didn't pull anything off uh, some of those other. You know, those are. I was telling Sean, I'm not a big fan of necessarily of all the Clash records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those first three are um, are money. I mean, Sandinista is good, but it's it's more of a mood. You know, you're not. I don't think you're going to find individual songs off that album to kind of. Ooh, I just want to listen to this right now. You know, yeah. maybe um, Police on My Back. Or, yeah. I, I do like the, uh, the choir one that they, they've got. Um, Sounds of the Center. Sounds of the Center. Thing on San uh, I mean, it's 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 been so long since I listened to it because I listened to it, you know three or four times and just said ah, it's not for me. I kind of feel like Sandinista is like Mike Tyson going back to fight now at age fifty-five or something. You know, <laughs> if you if you pull out after you've done London Calling, your career is set in in gold for the rest of your life, yeah. right? just three monster albums. And when you look back at them, the progression was just like, it was linear, you know, yeah. but unbelievable energy and then a little bit more polish and then, oh my God, all the polish you need. And, and I think, you know, from that perspective, uh, you know, a great, a great trajectory that just suddenly went <clears throat> in my mind. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I like the top five. I like it a lot. Okay. Yeah. Jonathan, would you like to go next? Would you like I to go next? How do you uh, want to do this? I'll go next. I'll go next. Um, I'm going to let you go my, next. That's a, yeah. I, you know, I know my dad has a, obviously a connection with The Clash, and I think that's really cool. And we, which both Joy and I owe it to him for our, our punk history, our rock and roll history. Um, <laughs> but I remember, yeah, I remember listening to a lot of these songs. I remember listening to like London Calling in the car, you know, with my dad. And, yeah. Uh, yep. A lot of great Clash songs. So my top five, I got. Uh, I do have career opportunities. This is number five. Um, okay. Again, a very kind of similar to some of the some of the earlier stuff too. Is is the kind of the energy, high energy, and uh, you know, very singable songs. And I can imagine what yep. it would be like to see them live and and have the crowd kind of, you know, kind of share that same energy with the Clash. Um, so that's probably why I picked that one. I think it just has a, a lot going about it so number five career opportunities uh number four i fought the law but probably another yeah, one too that one. The, the crowd can join along on and uh, it, another cover as well interestingly enough yeah another cover too yeah. as well from those guys and funny enough i've heard yeah. other covers of that too you know after the clash green well. day green yeah. day did one green yeah. day yeah. very famously yeah. yeah um but yeah i fought the law for number four excellent love it Number, oh man, I've I have to flip these around because these are too good. Okay, I'm gonna go number three, Janie Jones. Um, I love, yeah, I love which that is the track one off their of their uh, debut album, which the is UK release, yeah. the UK release, which is probably yeah. one of my favorite openings to an album. So I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons, biggest reasons for that one. So yeah, number three, Janie Jones. Uh, and then I've got these are my tough ones. I always love these songs. I'm gonna go to Lost in the Supermarket. Uh, yeah. That ba bass line is just like one of my favorite bass lines yeah. ever. <laughs> and it's and it's got uh, probably some of my favorite vocals from like Mick Jones. I think he has such a like yeah. really beautiful melody in the song. And again, it's very. He sounds. He sounds like Mick Jones talks in that song. Yeah. 
I, yeah, it's like, a good it's good. It's a good way to describe it. And you know, I think that's a very unique thing, unique approach for the Clash on this one. And then for number one, um, I've got Clampdown. I really love the song. Ooh. I love that song. It's, I love Clampdown. Yeah. I love how it starts too. It's it's very you know they got the feedback from the guitar screeching. It's yeah. Kind of chaotic, yeah. and they do this you know this kind of like almost like there's like two sections of the song. They have this like really interesting intro to the song. And then it just kind of all the like chaos and feedback kind of rings out for a little bit. And then you just hear one, two, three, four. And then they go into their mm -hmm. whole part. Um, I don't know. I, I really love the song. It's, it's again, probably one of my favorite Clash songs. High energy uh, has all the, all yeah. the elements of what the Clash are in, in that song. And uh, I have, I have a lot of runner ups, but I mean, I could just say London calling and that whole record is just like probably one of my favorite records yeah. of all time. Uh, but yeah, clamp down for number one. Excellent. I like it. That's yeah. a good list, Shawnee. Thank you. Thank you. Joey. Well, we all three had uh, a have... but I'm striking it because <laughs> okay. I, I, you know, okay. we can talk more class. Yeah. We're going to get to talk more class. Right. Um, number five, I'm going to go Rudy Can't Fail. Ooh, I like that song. Mm, I, like and it. I, you know what? I think if I ever have a child, Rudy, because I don't want them to fail. <laughs> I think that's what they're going to be named. Um, but what a great, what a great, you know, it's so, it sounds like a song you've heard before. You know what I mean? Like, um, it sounds like, oh, what, what else could this be? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just the melody feels yep. familiar. You know what I mean? It's instantly, it's really good. Um, number four another, was where another reggae, another reg, reggae influenced kind of song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. Rude boys. Uh, part of that whole culture, scar culture, Rudy's. Yeah, and it's and it's, I mean, it's just you just want to sing along to it. It's a happy. It's an yeah. upbeat. It is a very you know, yeah, happy yeah. Song. Uh, um, number four, I'm gonna go. It was career opportunities. I'm gonna go safe European home. Um, yeah, I like it. Give enough rope. It's and I believe that's the the first track off of that record, or is that track two? Ooh. I think it might be safe for your I really like you, it. You, um, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. I just like it. It's yeah. a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. It's good. It's what, let's have a drink, Joe, to celebrate safe European homes. Safe European Virtual homes. Cheers. Yeah. My biggest mistake is I'm picking <laughs> up beer tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll do some side sound effects for you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> That was Sean having a, virtu a virtual yeah, a virtual drink, drink for y'all. Yo, my empty glass of water here. <laughs> Virtually thirsty. Yeah. Um, number three, I'm gonna go Death or Glory. Oh, Death. this to me is song. a yeah. real punk song. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. Especially the line about uh, nuns later join the church. You know, like you're like, ooh, yeah, that's just ends up making payments on a sofa or a girl yeah done both those things um, it's so good like that's right? it's a it's a march it's an anthem it's um yeah yeah i don't know and yeah. like and then it's got that great middle uh section you know um you gotta fight your brother raise hell bum, bum. you know it goes right back into it it's so mm -hmm, like that's yeah. a fist moment right yeah. there you know like that's just yes bitch get it um yeah i fucking love death or glory um number two i'm gonna go hate and war hate and war mm -hmm. okay 
I think it's a really underrated track off their first album. And um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but both Joe Strummer and Mick Jones get to sing on that song and they complement each other very well. And you've got Joe Strummer just going, hey, 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 hey. And it's uh, awesome. And But there's good melodies in there. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I love Hate and War. It's great. Yeah, I, you know, I think when I was talking earlier, uh, that, you know, if you go back, you know, pre uh, pre the Clash, Joe Strum was painting in kind of these pub bands, and you know, they were probably doing some original stuff. And it was in a group called the One Hundred One, as I think, and they probably did some original stuff, but they probably did some, you know, covers as well. And I think, you know, he, he didn't come into the he didn't come into the Clash as like a you know sixteen year old kid who'd never written any songs before. He knew how to structure songs and how to build them and. And, and, you know, some of those, like, like Hate and War has got some different kind of, you know, timing almost in it. You know, it's kind of goes to some choppy stuff and, and it, it, you know, it's got a lot going on. Hate, that, like that thing you talk about, that hate, 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 you know, and then it kind of builds back up again. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good song. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really adore that song. Number one, mm. Jimmy Jazz. Oh, Jimmy Jazz. I love it. Yeah. That's a good song. That's a great I song. love Jimmy Jazz. Um, it's, you know, it's it's almost sleepy uh, yeah. in Joe Strummer's delivery. Uh, and he's just talking. And it's like, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't mimic that. You can't learn how to kind of stumble your way through words. Like, like, that's all. That has to be natural. You know what I mean? Those were just takes that he was kind of flubbing on. And they're like, sounds good. Let's leave it in. You know, it's, mm-hmm. the song is loose enough that it can allow for that. Uh, but you know, tight enough that it it holds together, and um, yeah, I, I I really 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 love Jimmy Jazz. Uh, yeah. I said now uh, with Jimmy Jazz, I said and he was here, but uh, <laughs> um, it's it's just so good, it's so good, and um, you know, it's it's it feels like a very much very much a Clash song. It's you've got story, you've got kind of it's not a romantic song. It's you know. Uh, you know they they tackle they tackle real topics. They they're they're you know kind of the they're the, they're the streets. You know they're mean streets kind of kind of band, and and that's it. So cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So a few a few I, I guess career opportunities kind of made it to everybody's list, even though you uh, did delete it, Joy. But that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think it just shows that there's a great diversity, you know, in, in their in their collection. A lot of really great songs to choose from and, uh, you know, all, all probably worth a good re-listen. I probably listen to London Calling at least twice a month, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's right up there. There's some, some albums I just, I, just, you know, I just can't start listening to them, you know. Um, one of the ones I've just been really getting into right now is uh, David Bowie's Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Uh, some of the guitar work on there, Robert Fripp and, you know, I think Eno's helping out on keyboards as well. It's just really a, just great, 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 great album. Sorry, I just maybe just devolved into share time by mistake, but. Hey. Oh, wonderful. That's perfect. Perfect segue. Yeah. Perfect segue. Yeah. (laughs) Segue, man. Yeah. So that's our recommended, uh, you know, rock ed- uh, music education from Mike Day is some Bowie in there, usually, right? Uh, always. Always. There, 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 you know, there, there are so many great albums to choose from. I mean, you know, if you, 
if you just go back and, and listen, Sean, I know I bought you know a couple for you, and you've heard a lot over here. But he he really does have a you know an extensive and incredibly diverse back catalogue of just awesome and some shitty albums as well. To be honest, uh, I, I wasn't really a massive fan of some of the stuff he did with Tin Machine and some of his later albums. But again, I probably should go back and give it a re-listen and, and and open my mind a little bit to some of that stuff. But when you have such a early career or extensive career with so much goodness in it, it's kind of hard to emulate that later on, you know. Yeah. And some some of his stuff, I, I could. I think if I had one song, you know, to listen to for the rest of my life, I'd probably pick Life on Mars, to be honest. It, it, it's just an epic, wonderful song uh, that's just got so much in it. So, yeah, it, always always recommend David Bowie. Hey, right on. I've never gotten into Bowie too, too much. I like Rebel Rebel, and that's really kind of the only mm-hmm. one I could probably name off the top of my head. Okay, well, that's a good start. <laughs> But I'm gonna I'm gonna take your I'm gonna take your advice. Scary, Scary monsters, monsters and super and creeps. Super creeps. I, yes. I like that title. Excellent. Super creeps. Wonderful. <laughs> Hell yeah, Jonathan. Do you have anything you'd like to share with our dear, sweet, lovely, imaginary uh, audience this week? <laughs> Not much, actually. Honestly. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got this week. Uh, Riveting. But I don't know. I'm excited for, I don't know. I'm, ex- I'm actually really excited that we had my dad on today. It, just take a chance to, just to thank him for putting the time and uh, coming yeah. on the show. So, and uh, I've, got, I've, Go ahead. I've got more share time as well. So don't, you know, don't oh, forget perfect. me. Perfect. Oh, okay. Perfect. Well, please. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wanted to come prepared. So, you know, I, I got my beer. because I figured you're supposed to drink. I told you I brought my sound effects. So I could join Wonderful. and make it up. Okay. And then I wanted to share. Uh, most uh, most people who are probably listening to this, uh, or, or maybe uh, it's interesting. Your viewership may go down by one this week because I've already been in the podcast. So <laughs> like, why should I bother watching it? But I did want to, uh, as you, as, as if you don't know, I'm not a big fan of our current administration, and so I've got a couple of books that I'm reading right now. Here's one called Compromise by Peter Strzok. He was a FBI agent. He's the one that Trump always says. And his lover, uh, whatever her name was, uh, and, and it's actually a really, really, really interesting uh, account. That R is backwards, though. Uh, Russia. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, And then I also just received today uh, something that's quite current in the news, Rage by Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward was uh, one of the duo uh, that were responsible for the Watergate investigation. And uh, he just uh, astonishingly interviewed Donald Trump 18 times, which if you knew uh, Bob Woodward's investigative journalism credentials, there is no way you would sit and have 18 interviews with him. Uh, this close to an election because he's clearly going to say something. And so he's a, and he had the wisdom to tape everything. So now he's releasing the audio tapes, which are not exactly great. So uh, I love to read books and uh, I like to educate myself about what's going on in the world. And so books are a great way to do that. I've got a, quite an extensive library of shitty uh, novels uh, which I love to read fiction uh, uh, a great deal because I like to create those things in my mind, you know, the image of, of, of a place or, or a character or whatever. 
And so uh, I'm, I'm interested to finish these. I'm about halfway through Compromise. And uh, I've, uh, Rage just arrived. I've got one more coming, I think, later this week. And so I'll be uh, I'll be uh, in the midst of whatever crazy stuff is in, in this thing. Yeah. So. I like it. Cool. Got some book recommendations. Yeah. Nice. That was very good. Uh, Joey, yeah, you got so anything to share, prepared. man? Yeah. I came prepared, Joey. Thank you for preparing. Better than better than my co-host. Yeah. Um, there's nothing going on in my life right now. So. <laughs> um, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, the Debatable Podcast who had us on last night. That's true. For their yeah. sexisode. Sexisode. We talked our favorite after sex snacks and our favorite sexual positions and we had a blast. We've never been on. Uh, that was so much no, fun, that's, dude. That's yeah. we, we have. We've been on yeah. the Three Friends podcast, but um, that was kind of our first venturing out with you know people we've never met before, and uh, it was fun. It was a good time. We were on Twitch. We we broke our Twitch virginity. Um, okay. And it was uh, yeah. So give those guys they they were that was hey. a blast. That was so much fun. Joey, I'm on Twitch too. Would you believe? Are you on Twitch? I'm not on Twitch. We'll see, you know, because Sean gets for the, well, yeah, for the we Sonic Riders. Music production stuff, but yeah, Hell we're yeah. starting to do it. But um, right yeah, that, that experience was super cool. I, I you know, hats off yeah. to those guys. And I think uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool that we're able to reach out to other podcasts and, and have this kind of community. Um, yeah. And I guess uh, we'll be on Spotify soon. Finally found out. We got to figure that out answer to that it's actually okay. a lot easier than i thought so. okay good uh but yeah right on so yeah that was great cool Thanks, yeah right on right excellent mr j where can we find uh you on the internet probably if you want to be found nowhere if you want to if, if you if if you want to if you uh if you look on facebook for some maniac uh, uh that, that uh, is always complaining about donald trump that will be me i'm on facebook i don't know if, that if you're any the only of your, one <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah you're probably one of them. yeah <laughs> actually I, I you know i will i will say for for all the problems with that platform it's still a great way for me to stay in touch with you know like my family back in the uk my mother's a prolific commenter on facebook uh, i would say everything's always oh that's lovely very lovely that that's lovely <laughs> oh what a lovely picture <laughs> and uh and then, you know, like, uh, you know, Sean's cousins, uh, my nephew and niece, uh, we can kind of keep up a little bit with them. I ended up, you know, being stuck on about every social media platform. I just can't deal with it. So I need like an aggregator that just puts everything out one time. This bothers everybody. So, yeah, I just go on Twitter once a day and just tell Donald Trump to go fuck himself. And that's it. <laughs> I got to find you on Twitter. Twitter's good time. Yeah. For a good time. Uh... <laughs> Jonathan, where can we find your work on the internet this week? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Shawnee Music and on my website, shawneemusic.net. Net. 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 Wow. Joey, where can we find Don't you? Net. You can check me out on Twitter, Joey Prati, and on my website, joeypratiscripts.com. You can check out the show at Top5Pod, that's T-O-P-F-I-V-E-5-P-O-D on Instagram, on Twitter at gmail.com, and on YouTube. We're on Facebook at Top5Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Apple Music. So please give us a like, give us a listen, give us a follow, give us your love, and we will give you uh, so many great memories in return. Good never okay. complete that one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thank okay. you so much for joining us this evening. Um, you will have to come on again soon, and hopefully there'll be more stories to share at that time. Hell yeah. 
You never know. You never know. Until yeah. next time, I'm Joey Brody. And I'm Sean Day. And I'm Mr. Day to you two. There we go. Thanks. 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 Sayonara, kids.